Uh, this is Dane Atkinson. You're listening to Radio Free Leader. Welcome to Radio Free Leader. I'm your host, David Burkus, best-selling author and recovering academic. And this is the show that tears down the wall between the ivory tower and the corner office. Each episode brings you an outstanding thinker to help you lead smarter by sharing insights from social science and practical applications for leadership, innovation, and strategy. Make sure you stay up to date with Radio Free Leader and get some great stuff we don't share on the show by joining our community. Sign up at the show notes page for this episode at davidberkuscom slash 709 or text Radio Free to 33444. We'll even get you caught up with our Radio Free Leader Starter Kit, a collection of our most popular episodes sent right to your email inbox, and you can listen in just one click. Again, that's davidberkuscom slash 709 or text Radio Free, all one word, to 33444. Today's episode features Dane Atkinson. Dane is a good friend of mine and the founder and CEO of Sumall. You may have heard of Sumall already because of their notable stance on salary transparency. Everyone at Sumall knows what everybody gets paid. And in this episode, I talk about the rationale behind that decision and also the benefits of that decision. I should say that Dane Atkinson's story, Sumall's story, is featured in my new book, Under New Management, which launches in just two weeks. And in fact, a larger, more expansive version of this episode is one of the bonuses you get when you pre-order that book. To learn more about the amazing bonuses you get exclusively for people who pre-order, go to davidberkuscom slash pre-order. Again, that's davidberkuscom slash pre-order to learn more about the amazing collection of bonuses I put together exclusively for people who pre-order my new book, Under New Management. Now, without further ado, our interview with Dane Atkinson. So who are you and what do you do? <laughs> My name is Dane Atkinson. I am the uh, CEO of Some All, um, and I try to keep the uh, cats herded. <laughs> you know that that will um, that will reveal itself to people as as a very wise aspiration here in a bit as we talk more about uh, the the organization. Um, for starters, because what's interesting is we're not here to actually talk about Some All, though I love Some All as a product. Let's talk. Oh, tell me, tell me a bit about what it does first, so people have some kind of context, and then we'll talk about how you built it, which is uh, the really fun story for me. But I'm a management nerd, so there's that. Uh, sure. So I think in our case, in particular, the story of how we build things might be even more entertaining. Um, but what we do build is a platform for small businesses, and we have a half million of them that use us, and we help them understand their audience. So basically, the people that they uh, talk to, sell to, deal with on a daily basis. Um, we aggregate all the data in their world and make it accessible in a fashion where they can actually take action. Uh, that seems to be working out pretty well. So we're happy with our uh, our, our product, so to speak. Awesome. And um the reason that I bring all of this up actually isn't because you've had uh, associated with awesome products like that, but it's actually because in all of those prior organizations, you were uh, you were a master at something, which was getting really good talent really cheaply. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I mean, um, we I, should we should say we're here today to talk about pay and pay transparency. So so Dane has sort of seen the light, but what I love is almost the conversion come to Jesus moment on this whole thing. So. That's the reason I, I set up the question. I, I'm sorry if it's a bit of a setup. No, no, it's fine. I, I don't like to consider ever paying anyone cheaply. Uh, I, like to, I like to think of it as a sort of embracing the part life together. Uh, but yeah, I've definitely made a, a success in my life of getting smart people um, to do all the great things that they can do. Um, and I, I've 
had the chance, as I said, spanning so many companies to make uh, a plethora of mistakes in dealing with those people and try very, very slowly to get smarter at it uh, and find ways to embrace nuances in humanity better. And as we, as we moved to uh, Sumall, you took a much different approach. Tell me a bit about how Sumall was founded and then some of the, those different decisions you chose to make when you were building this company. Sure. Uh, so Samal was founded with the ambition to sort of, again, democratize data. And, and we had, as a team, been through a lot of experiences, some all together and some at different places, um, then formed a desire to change the factory floor. You know, and, and I think that historically, the companies that have done best are the ones that focus on that process and their culture more than just the output of their you know, first version, so to speak. Um, so just like Google allowed 20% and Microsoft incorporated IQ testing in their hiring in early days, we wanted to find something different. And a cornerstone for that was uh, trying to ensure evil could not creep its way into our organization um, to prevent sort of the abuses that we've seen happen and the demoralization it can have on a team. Uh, and one of the major aspects of that is obviously um, part of why we came together is, is the sense of transparency in the workplace, not only in um, you know the simple things like what our strategy and plans are, but in the more sensitive areas like what are people's um, stock ownership and compensation like. And that, that has been uh, a very brave adventure for us, but it's, it's borne a lot of fruit. So we're, we're on our soapbox often talking about how great transparency can be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think it's awesome because we we talk. Uh, there, there was a movement, you know, probably mid '90s, but I'm not a business historian, so this is probably I'm probably ruining that. To have that sort of open book management idea, you know, this idea that uh, managers should be transparent with everybody about what the books are saying, et cetera. And then I love this sort of next level, which is, well, no, no, no we should probably be transparent about as much as we're comfortable being transparent about. Right. And so that includes, you know, letting everybody know what everybody makes, letting everybody know what everybody owns as far as equity. Um, even I love the sort of you, you hire as teams, you're very open about who's interviewing, and who's hiring. And when the person comes in, very open about here's who they are, what they're getting paid. There's just a, a level of openness that, you know, I, I got the chance to visit uh, your offices a while back. I, I would imagine they're uh, they're slightly more full of people now because you've been <laughs> sort of growing like crazy and doing some awesome stuff. But um, you know, it's it's a very open office, and I mean that in two ways. I mean it as a pun, right? So it's an open office in that traditional sense, but it's also uh, just a very open office. Everybody's kind of open with each other. Um, now, what I think is interesting about that, though, is that that's not the norm, right? The norm is to do what you used to do. The norm is to kind of have um, a lack of transparency, to have sort of management have information asymmetry, right? If If we've moved from the industrial economy to the knowledge economy, then knowledge is that sort of power that managers wield over people. And I think that's also kind of what most employees are used to, right? So what was what was it like kind of, I mean, first, I guess you have to sell the idea to, to your board, your investors and all of those sort of people, but also almost every kind of employee that's joining that we're doing things a little bit differently. And here's what that means for you. Yeah, so it's definitely different. And you're right, we, we do a bit of evangelizing across the board, um, whether it's our investors or our team. It, it turns out to be, uh, maybe for our team less than the investors, a very easy sell, right? So uh, transparency is akin to freedom, right? Like in the blare of the sun, it's hard to get away with evil. And I don't think anyone who's come in has felt that you know it is a, a curse or something that has really interfered with them. I, we probably have certainly lost people who... Um, you know, saw that as an environment and got scared away. Um, and I think what we've discovered in time is people who are particularly good negotiators but don't feel that they, in their souls, deliver quite the same way are more afraid of transparency because they feel that they will get um, persecuted to a degree. Um, but certainly there's a larger population of those who feel 
that you know they're at least close to the merit of their work, or certainly want to feel like they're you know being treated fairly by the company, um, find us to be a great place to come to. I think that the the post theory life is actually more interesting than the theory up front because that passes pretty fast, right? So everyone theorizes what it's going to be like. It actually is in many ways somewhat anticlimactic, right? People don't spend every day, all day, staring at the uh, salary structures of their peers. Uh, they look at it at various degrees, but it's it's just something that becomes an expected truth of our world. Going back on it, though, uh, for myself and I think for the team, will, will be surprisingly complicated. Hmm. Well, and I think that's interesting, too, because, um, I mean, on, on the one hand, I, I, I love that idea that it's anticlimactic, right? That For one thing, it's probably pretty easy to memorize, right? So then you don't need to stare at it uh, much longer. Um, but sure. I think I think you're exactly right. Like in a, in a culture where it's so not usual, where everybody keeps their salary information private, et cetera, to those that are listening, it might sound like, well, that's that's kind of crazy. And if that ever happened in our workplace, like, you know, fights would break out. And that's true <laughs> in in a workplace where that's the norm. But when the norm is transparency, sort of none of that stuff actually happens. And I think actually you've even seen some of those fights or at least shouting matches happen in prior companies. Am I right? Yeah, I've seen um, I've seen grown men cry. Um, people stomp out of offices. Uh, folks steal laptops in the middle of the night. Um, you know, everything attributable to the lack of transparency around salary. So when they they ultimately find out what their value is, you know, it's such an interconnected thing to their souls. They feel uh, hurt and betrayed by the companies around them. And the seen employees who are actually being paid very well assume that they're being paid poorly compared to their peers and strike back at the company, um, you know, as a way to correct that imbalance. Like it's, it, it is uh, a pain that I'm sure everyone who's listened has seen some aspect of that everyone in the sort of secretive world of uh, corporate America lives with, um, which sucks and doesn't have to be that way. Well, and I, I think what's crazy is that when those incidents happen, the response so often is, okay, you know, no, these, this is why we don't talk about it, right? Because this happened because we talked about it. And very rarely do we actually go, well, no, wait a minute, maybe it happened because it's a secret. And this is the perfectly, like everything you said is the perfectly logical reaction, right? I mean, I, I know because I wrote it in the book under new management, right? But, and I, I, don't, I don't know if you knew who John Stacy Adams was, right? But this guy predicted it way back when he was a behavioral psychologist working for um, some major, you know, Fortune 10 companies, right? And he basically said, like, this always happens. People are always prone to compare their inputs and outputs to other people. So how, how much they think, how much value they think they bring versus what they get paid. And they want that to be equal to, not, not equal to in the sense that everybody gets paid the same thing, but equal to whatever, however much value I bring in, I get paid fairly for that. If that person gets paid more, it's okay because they bring more value. It's when they see this sort of unfairness that everything goes crazy, right? When there's inequity, everything goes crazy. And the, the interesting thing to me, at least about um, transparency is that you you can't have transparency and inequity at the same time, right? And so yeah. I think that's most that's most exciting to me to see it at some all and at all of these companies that the first thing that happens is pay fairness and pay equality, right? Or pay equity, as I said, different people might make different things, but everybody is in proportion to their value. Yeah, no, and I think that you know we may not be correct to the exact outer world, but internally we are uh, as fair as possible, right? So. Um, you're, and it's, it is a bigger handicap as a CEO than you'd think. Like the one downside I miss about being um, secretive is I can't make mistakes as readily. So, you know, in the old days, 
if I had an investor meeting coming on and I knew that they had a fetish for you know marketing, I'd go hire a brand name CMO and I wouldn't care what it cost me to do it because I knew that I'd recuperate it in the venture financing. Um, but now if I do that, I will literally get lynched by the team hours later when they find out that person's salary that we paid her some exorbitant amount just to achieve some other goal. So you, you, you are forced as an organization to be fair, um, but conversely, you know, it's sometimes very easy to abuse certain groups of people, right? And even though you don't want to consider yourself evil, your investors and your community around you try to have you optimize salaries as best you can. You end up having, you know, as most companies do, really poorly paid classes of humans in your organization, which is utterly horrible. And it, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen in the transparent world. It doesn't sit. People won't tolerate it, which is great and makes a much healthier and happier place to work where you're not always looking over your shoulder, you're not making these presumptions, and everyone is actually treated fairly. Yeah, I, I should actually, in the interest of being fair and true to your sort of story, um, earlier I said you were really good at getting people for, you know, le- let's call it less than market instead of cheap. And that's not because you're, you're <laughs> evil, you're, you were a sinner and now you're a saint, right? It's because the system sort of rewards that, especially in a startup culture. But I think in general, any in general, when you when it's about figuring out profit margins and and um, shareholder value and lots of other things, that basically the system rewards however you can cut costs but increase value is a, is a is you know valid and so go for it. And so if you if you manage to get um, talent at below market, your board actually sort of rewards you, right? Well, I mean, that's, that's it's expressly written in the charter of a company, right? You're trying to improve shareholder value, which means you're trying to economize your capital. Um, I think that the mistake that's made by operators is uh, they make short choices that may improve conditions briefly from an economic standpoint, but actually cost the company in a longer fashion, right? So uh, my experience has been that when you when you practice that form of, and unfortunately it is evil, even though it is in the suiting of a company's desires, you create... Uh, skeletons and damage that you'll be paying for in the long term. You create churn in your company, you create people being disheartened, you create lawsuits, you create a lot of things that just aren't worth um, having and the the accommodation of being fair is so small um, plus all the benefits you get for it that it's sort of lunacy not to go for. But traditionally and in my career, which unfortunately spans way too many years, I have been often complimented on how efficient my teams are Um, and that's now, and that's not always because it was fair by any stretch. It's because it was just, you know, you take every advantage you can in that, in that process of building. If efficient being code word for cost efficient, right? <laughs> or, or cost Sorry. effective. Sorry, yeah. yeah, totally, uh, totally. In being a bastard and paying people less than they deserve. <laughs> yeah, let's strip the euphemism, right? Um, I love it, love it. Now, so let's talk about kind of the, the nitty gritty. I mean, this was something that you did from the start in in founding Samal, but how does it sort of work? Do you have a formula that everybody knows and that's how it gets calculated? Are there certain sort of salary tiers and people just move from one tier to another? How do you set pay and then uh, make sure that it's fair? Uh, well, so everything is available on a single file that's shared on a Google Drive, um, ironic to Google's own issues. Um, and then the way new employees are brought into the structure is that they are met with a series of peers. Those peers reveal their salary for themselves and then make the best estimate they can for that person's performance. Um, the nice thing about our environment is as the performance becomes more crystal clear, uh, the team around them will correct them. So they'll either say, and this has happened, you know, we brought this person on, but we overestimate their skills, or well, it seems to me more often happens, um, we brought this person on and they actually, actually are performing higher than we expected and we change the salaries. As well as people who continue to improve their performance, they get faster change in compensation. Like I think um, our average employee's compensation changes 
at least three or four times what I've had in any other kind of company. So four or five raises over the course of a year. Um, they may not be huge raises, but they are raises nonetheless, where we've discovered, you know, a constant naturalizing balance. And it's kind of ironic, you know, it, sorry to ramble and rant here, but it, we're a capitalist country, right? And we've embraced things like the stock market that are auto-correcting environments where transparency is a cornerstone. You don't, you don't buy pork bellies by passing notes between two vendors, right? You, you use information as a way to find the level field for all those services. And the same thing in a company, when your salaries are transparent, obviously not at the speed of a stock, but it corrects. Bad employees start making less, good employees start making more. Everyone feels fair about it because it's all driven by the local market and the supply demand in a way um, creates an even keel for your organization. You never have to worry about, you know, as a manager that you've made some giant mistake in the way you've built your team, which usually is the way it goes. Well, and, and I think if I can, um, you know, because I, I know the story, so sorry if this is a leading question. I think the other cool thing about it is that it, you know, you were talking about it, it creates some challenges as the, the CEO, but in a sense, the team is also there to sort of correct those. I mean, I, I remember an instance where you were hiring a new person and doing that sort of pay discussion, and then it became apparent that another person on the team who was part of the hiring panel realized that that would put that person's salary above theirs, despite not having kind of as much skills and experience and, and potentially bringing as much value. So it, it, like you said, it auto-corrected like that. Um, again, so there, there are ev- that level of trend, that stock market level of, of transparency even has those sort of benefits of keeping everybody collaboratively feeling like it's fair because they're in on the process. And so there's a lot of people that can auto-correct instead of your standard sort of yearly annual review and hopefully more than 4% raise. Yeah, no, I and mean, it, it's it's anything but that. And your example is right, and it's happened over and over and over again, where someone will, in in that case, <laughs> sit and interview and say afterwards, like, "Wait a minute, we're offering this person more than me, and I'm I'm overqualified, so let's correct that." Um, you know, and I, uh, which has got to make people want to be on the hiring committee, by the way. Uh, you know, well, I don't think that's translated as enough of a story around the company to make that a desire, but <laughs> it, it 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 happens everywhere, right? So the it's an it's insane how much more freedom and security that makes everyone feel when they know they can have a healthy conversation. Because if you think about it to that yearly review conversation, you are so handicapped in how you have that chat, right? You sit down with your you know, boss and you're like, well, you know, I think I'm doing a lot. I think I'm adding more than Jim because you think Jim's making more money than you, but you have no real clue, right? Or, you know, I looked out on the market and I think I get a little bit more money. You just you're you're grasping at straws and the manager likewise can't say hey you know mark you're making way more than Sarah already so why are you bitching they have to everyone is having this really strange obfuscated conversation where you can't actually talk about any facts which doesn't you know at best it translates into just confusion and 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 weird mysticism but when you have that conversation honestly and someone says wait a minute i'm not making as much money Sometimes that conversation doesn't go as well as it did in the example story where it's like, you know what, you actually aren't as good as you think you are. It's not because what you do is invaluable, but you're missing the fact that Andrea comes in every Sunday and she's also handling this entire other section of the company. If you do that, you might get you know, to be considered to be more valuable. And all of a sudden, employees find a cleaner path to a meritocracy in the sense that they know what the company appreciates. They can ask the right questions to why people are making more money, and they can model themselves very tightly to what is the best most valuable thing to the organization, which is great. This is a manager. It is so much easier than having to sort of walk around all the time and be like, oh, you know, maybe if you helped out on these extra projects or you did this, we would appreciate you more. Just having it organically do that is spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that clear-cut idea. So, so first of all, in the traditional system, like even if you did know exactly what Sarah made, 
right? You're not supposed to know. So you have to go into that conversation acting like you don't know, but actually knowing. And then they might actually be, you know, confusing the situation more by misleading you because they don't think you know. And just it gets crazy. Where Whereas sort of the difference is kind of this clear cut. Uh, I, you know, what's funny is you, you said those um, – the exact thing that you just said was very similar to something John Mackey said in, a, in an interview in a, a newspaper, which is essentially that it creates the opportunity for conversations when people are underpaid to go, well, no, you're paid less than Sarah because you don't bring as much value. And here are three things you could do to bring that much value and and then we'll raise your, your pay, which is – um, a ton more clarity. There might be an initial sort of hurt feelings on the awareness that like you're you're being paid less than somebody, but there's also that clear cut. Here's how to move forward, and I think that that aligns itself with so much, you know, peer reviewed research on motivation that having a clear path towards the goal is uh, so much more beneficial in actually trying to get someone to increase their performance, increase their intrinsic motivation, all sorts of things. Yeah, and people even do that without having that conversation, right? They they go look at that pay schedule and they pick the people who are making more than them and they watch them like a hawk. Right? So they, they study them, they understand them, they learn about them, and they, they know how to model themselves to that career path. We have people hop careers. Right? We have people who come in as a support person and become an analyst or become, in as, you know, become a designer from a different category just because they see how the company prizes their value and they realize that the career path they chose just because of the market conditions may not be the best one. But they're learning that all in real time and making very meaningful choices for their entire lifespan based off of transparent data and not just some illusion. And going back to the point of that conversation is so unhealthy. When you're when you're lying to Jill about Sarah's salary, you're lying. You know, and that and you're kind of forced to do it because you can't admit the salary there. But the reaction to the person who's accidentally saw the paycheck or had that, you know, tequila night with Jill <laughs> isn't just that you're not being fair in my wage and I'm underpaid to market. It's that you're lying to me. So my trust in you as a manager in a company is now utterly evaporated because you straight up told me a lie. So your, your loyalty, your ability to engage your teams, all of that is, is compromised over nothing, right? Just over the fact that you must maintain this web of lies that you've sort of you know, gotten yourself stuck into. Right, right. No, I, I mean, I think it's... I think it's brilliant. I mean, I, I, I go back to that idea that, you know, there, there's no such thing as darkness. Darkness is just the absence of light, right? So there's there's these evil conversations that basically happen because we have the absence of light, the absence of transparency. They're the norm, right? And it's weird because we can get so used to the norm that, like, I mean, honestly, you know, we've been talking for a long time. You are no stranger to this conversation. I'm sure there are people out there that still think you're crazy, right? Because you do this. And yet, what you're doing is shining a flashlight in an area in a dark corner that was previously filled with all sorts of craziness and letting all of the crazy dissipate. Yeah, th- thankfully, when we first started this policy four years ago, we were actively ridiculed for our insanity. And I, I'm very happy to say the conversational tone has changed. People still may think we're crazy, but they tend to ask more reasonable questions like, how do you, how do you announce a mistake or what do you deal with? And, and that's I'm, I'm very excited that the tenure of that chat has changed so much. Do you think so much of that is just people's initial reaction of, of thinking, oh, well, I don't like that idea because I don't want people to know what I get paid, without thinking about all the benefits of knowing everybody and how you compare to everybody? Absolutely. There, there is a huge uh, imposter fear with managers in many cases where they feel they're not any better than their teams and don't want to create that conversation, that stress between their salaries and other salaries. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, I think it's, it, it only helps validate what they're making and everything else, but it, it can be a scary road to walk down. 
No, so you said something to me too that I, I want to, because because there are other crazy things that you all are up to. You you said something to me when we met uh, in New York. I guess it was I mean, it was almost a maybe a year ago now. I don't really know. Maybe no, maybe it was less than that. Uh, you said something to me maybe six months ago when we were chatting about this issue um, that I thought, and you hinted at it earlier, that I thought was just brilliant, which is this idea that the the smart leaders, the smart organizations don't just create sort of new products. We love to talk about these new, inventive, amazing products, but they also reinvent the factory floor. They reinvent the how that product is made and brought to the customer. And, and transparency is one of those ways. But what are some of the other things that you're experimenting with that are kind of that new way to organize a factory? Uh, well, so obviously, I, I believe in my own quote. <laughs> um, I think you'd, that, be, you'd be better. It's in the afterword of under new management. It's there for all time. Oh, <laughs> I'm very to be there. Um, no, I, I, you know, and again, as I said before, it, the best companies in history have done that. Um, you can't rely on a single stratagem or an idea, which is often what we tend to focus on as the, the one move that got you the TechCrunch article. Uh, companies span so much more than that in their lifetimes that you need an environment that continuously creates excellence. So putting your attention there is, is always a strong ROI, maybe not as visible, but a strong ROI to be had. Um, we experiment a lot, maybe too much, um, and we've pushed that <laughs> line a little too far. But the things that have worked, uh, one the things that we're proud of is um, uh, another, another area we've seen evil happen is the reasons you tend to leave a company is you feel like you've been underrepresented, you've been underpaid, you've been lied to in the way that compensation works. And another reason is that you really don't like the person above you. The, the way you interact with a company is, is fake or you have a bad manager. Um, so our corrective process in that is that our leadership is actually uh, confirmed by their uh, subordinates, right? So we have a downward accountable organizational structure. So obviously, team leads are responsible to deliver to the company's you know, bottom line, to create product, to sell product, whatever else it might be. But their teams themselves, each quarter has an opportunity to elect a change in their leadership. So as a boss, you have to make sure that you're getting things done, but you have to make sure that you're not just destroying your team to achieve that short-term goal. And I've had plenty of managers in my career work for me who you know, can achieve a, a one-quarter, two-quarter win, but then ultimately destroy their organization because they're just driving relentlessly to see some short-term success that creates an unhealthy company. And I found here that there are definitely some downsides, but there have been more um, benefits to allowing the team members themselves to say, you know, this guy is horrible to work with and we're just not getting, you know, it's, it's very stressful to get us done what you guys need done as a company and put somebody else in that same spot. Yeah, I, I love that idea. And actually, I, I, I wrote something similar a long, long time ago and I think everybody laughed at me, but it was the idea of following um, following the executive branch uh, appoint and confirm model, right? Where, okay, the manager is sort of appointed by senior leadership, but they have to be confirmed and on a regular basis by the people that they serve so that they're not doing that exact thing. I think I think it's brilliant and I think it does a great idea. I mean, it, it shouldn't come as any, any surprise that in a knowledge work situation where your product comes out of the minds of the people you have, then the goal should be to organize the company around those minds and those people, not around the product, not around churning it out quick enough, not around meeting those short-term deadlines. No, it, it, it's it's uh, if, if you want sustainability in your organization and not a sort of flash in the pan, it's always healthiest to build a structure that makes great things, and that comes from, especially in our industry, brilliant people, right? So, how do you get brilliant people to work well together? How do you get brilliant people to feel the freedom to do what they can do best? How do you get the hell out of their way, so to speak? Um, and the the I think the point actually idea is really interesting. So you've given me some food for thought. Uh, <laughs> The point, but confirm because actually our teams themselves elect. So we don't, as a management structure, we don't do any appointing. Um, we wait for our team to suggest new managers, which I think has embraced 
two different values. So the, the upside for that is that if they appoint a bad manager, that manager tends to have an extremely fast growth curve, um, better edify themselves on how to be a manager. When they become back into a, the team, they're fantastic contributors to the team because they've suffered that role. And in many cases, someone takes on a manager role for a while and realizes, good God, this is actually a hell of a lot of work. I now know why they're making all this much more money. I don't want to do it. I want to go back. And normally what happens in a company is there's no return path, right? Like as soon as you become a manager, you've hit the Peter principle and you're basically bouncing from company to company. Um, here you can make that correction. Uh, the negative side is that sometimes we end up with managers who clearly don't have the expertise to take on the role and we have to sort of suffer through that and try to you know, bandage around them. Um, but as a net net, we see the team is better. I think the a point component might be something we would want to consider, but it's it, having some downward accountability, I'm a huge proponent of, and I think in any company, to be blind to the suffrage of your team for the you know, shorter-term values is, is a dangerous way to build. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree. So I'm sure there are some people who have listened all the way through to this and are wondering if you're hiring. Where can we find more about you, about some all, about your hiring page? You know, whatever. Where can we find more information? <laughs> Uh, we're always hiring. Um, there is definitely a link on our website, which is just sumall.com. Um, and myself, uh, you know, I'm always eager to work with people who, who want to grow and change. So um, you know, come on by. We're, we're always happy to talk. Awesome. Dane Atkinson, thank you so much. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. 